Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts of this purportedly weekly radio program and the chief of police in the city of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Today is Friday. December 10th, 2021. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, Cops Bureau Commander. Uh, sound morning, engineer everybody. extraordinaire. Although it does appear you had a couple technical difficulties there during the intro, Lieutenant. There's a, That's a normal. Few, a few more <laughs> there's a few more buttons in play here. I, so I, don't, I don't think it's difficulties if it's normal. <laughs> and and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stab at this. I saw Officer Winston wander through the frame, so... Yep. I know that that means Officer Derby, his handler, is in studio this morning. Yeah, he's laying and, down right now. <laughs> and I'm looking at a reflection in the plexiglass, and I think I see, is that Chief Probation Officer Hunt joining there us this morning? It is. Good morning, Bird. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, so I'm joining the show remotely this morning. I'm actually in Boston, and uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we get to this morning's program, let's get a check of the weather, and we'll talk about a couple news articles, and then we'll move on. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com. Greetings. Today, mostly cloudy, with a high of 41. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 31, with some rain late. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy, a high of 54, with rain showers all day. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein from WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! I wake up every morning and there's an email in my inbox from his blog with my three-day forecast. It's just such a treat. All right, news articles. Um, like I said, I'm working remotely, so I'm, I'm on the tablet, which means I'm looking at the news articles on my phone, so bear with me for a second. Um, I think probably the lead-off, and this this is just something to keep in mind. There's an article on the front page of today's Berkshire Eagle. You can go check out the entire article. But essentially, uh, it's it's covering not lack of doses but lack of staff and some of the area pharmacies are causing delays in people um, who are going to get booster shots or first and second dose shots and the only thing i really want to draw people's attention to is the last paragraph of of the article the woman who's interviewed she took a video of her experience at, at pittsfield walgreens and she's just asking people to remember to be kind right the the pharmacy is doing the best they can do do it's not the pharmacy employees fault that they're understaffed right it, it don't don't take your irritation or your anger out on people who are trying to help you it doesn't make any sense um similar to that related to that gotta find the page here um in a article that is actually a repeat article uh, but it's also uh, it's covered in today's berkshire eagle just as part of their ongoing story about uh the labor force and what's happening locally um 
the impact on human service agencies. Captain Kirchner and I actually had a virtual meeting yesterday with our partners from the Brand Center, and um, you know we're we're backfilling some positions and shuffling some positions, and it's it's just devastating uh, how tightly staffed and and how understaffed some of the local human her service agencies are. So again, uh, you know people are doing the best they can. Just be kind. And I think I'll finish off on a high note, also from this morning's Berkshire Eagle uh, on the front page. I'm going to pull this up um, and grab the the, office, uh, the gentleman's name. But uh, Specialist Corbin Victor Richardson of Adams, who has been deployed overseas with the National Guard, returned home. And uh, the local here at home committee, including our own, very own Kathy Mickle, was on hand to greet him at the airport and chauffeur him back to his home at Adams, where he was uh, met by a large contingent of friends and neighbors to welcome him home and that's how it should be done right when our service men and women come back from overseas they should come back to fanfare fanfare they've been protecting the nation's interests and representing the nation's interests in harm's way and we should appreciate them for that so welcome home specialist uh, we're glad you're back all right so that's the news i got Gentlemen. i got news go ahead my uh, father-in-law is retiring today after i think 43 years at the hospital so Wow. Congratulations Seriously? to him. Yeah, yeah, longer oh, than wow. I've been alive. What does he do? What did he do at the hospital? Uh, so he was the head grounds person outside. So he was the, as everybody said, the white-haired guy that drives around in the truck. So and not easy work. No, no, no. It was, uh, and I did work for him for a little bit doing grounds, and uh, it's uh, a long time coming. I'm sure he's a little nervous, but we're uh, glad that he's going to be home more. So congratulations to him. That's yeah. amazing. 43 years is a long time to be doing the same thing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's not delay. Let's get right to our guest. So, uh, Gary, why don't you introduce your in-studio guest? Sure. So uh, we have with us Mr. Jim Hunt, who is um, Chief Probation Officer, Chief Juvenile Probation Officer um, over at the Berkshire Central Berkshire Juvenile Court here in Pittsfield. And... Um, you know, going back, I know we've mentioned this a few times, going back to um, late the summer and we had brainstormed um, what uh, organizations, departments, et cetera, that we uh, interact with. Uh, and Jim was on that list. And uh, he's no stranger to the PPD, having served himself as a police officer back before I even started. So... Um, I'm sure Jim will tell us all about that. Sounds like it. So, <laughs> so, so this is going to be interesting because I think we get to bookend this program. Uh, I started my law enforcement career, and now uh, I started my law enforcement career with Jim, and now we're serving as chiefs together. So it's it's like everything that goes around comes around. But I think we should take the way back machine even farther back. Jim, tell us about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Family, school, sports. Well. Yes, thank you. Um, well, I grew up in Pittsfield. I was born here in 1963. We did, my, I'm a GE brat, so we did five years in Louisville, Kentucky with refrigeration. Came, we left uh, here in 69, came back in 74, and went to Pittsfield High School, graduated in class of 81, went to several colleges, um, and ended up graduating from Northeastern University well working as a police officer in the city of Pittsfield. Go Huskies. I, I, yes, exactly. Um, and don't don't be impressed. 
back in uh, 1982 when I went to Northeastern, you just had to sign up. That is an impossible <laughs> school to get into now, and by their standards, I wouldn't even come close. So in 1985, I went to the police academy, and in 1997, switched over to the juvenile court when they opened up the juvenile court, um, you know, separate distinct from the district court to, um, you know, kind of come in with a different philosophy on working with juveniles. And I've been there ever since. Now, remind me, did you go to the police academy in Feeding Hills? I did. I was in the fifth um, training academy. My brother Steve was in the fourth. Yeah, those were fun days. And it was only 12 weeks, too. So I, I guess I got off easy in several respects. But It was a miserable experience in that say, building when you went, and it was still miserable 10 years later when we went. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I enjoyed it very much, but, you know, I mean, the current sheriff, Tommy Bowler, um, he and I drove down together every day for 12 weeks. So, uh, I don't know, I guess as age up and out of the system, you look back to when you started and who you started with, and... Well, Sheriff Bowler was one of them. It's a, it's a small local law enforcement community. It is. I like it that so, way. So, Bird, you and I met. Um, you'd been on the police department for several years when I got out of school and joined the police department as a civilian. And you were among the first four, well, two actually, officers assigned to liaise with um, the West Side Neighborhood Resource Center. So we actually, we spent quite a bit of time um, in the West Side in, that would have been 93, 94, 95, before I went to the academy, implementing community policing programs and, and you know, try to engage the, the interest of the community in cooperating with some of our programs. How did you get selected for that assignment? <clears throat> Luck, I guess. You know, you, you showing a desired interest you know it's kind of obvious the people that want to do that sort of thing and and those that are you know would just take a pass i tell you what i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because those were some of my best years in the police department i really enjoyed you know um you know it's down the west side for several years but with the onset of community policing and uh, lieutenant riello was our lieutenant at the time and he firmly you know grasped you know um totally believed in it and just working down the west side, getting to know the neighborhood, the true neighborhood. I mean, there's a perception, you know, if you're reading the newspaper, that there's a lot of bad things that might be going on in a certain neighborhood. But if you work, if you go right down and start working in the neighborhood like you and I did, it it's totally eye-opening. You get to know the families. You get to know, you know, what's good and maybe what's not good. And the neighbors will tell you what's not good. And it was just it was a very effective method working with you was was awesome because you know you were as you said the liaison and the, and the bridge to the neighborhood and you know when i left there probably a third of my letters of recommendation for the chief position was from the west side from the leaders of the west Absolutely. side and it was you know those were the most meaningful so so our our listeners obviously can't tell and i don't think the camera angle is set up right now uh, so for our viewers you wouldn't you wouldn't know it to look at him now because uh you know chief hunt is is a runner and a hiker and takes pretty good care of himself i just saw him at the uh thankful 5k last week that last week or the week before out there uh, running for charity but back in the day jimmy could pack away some food 
And, <laughs> and I only share that because one of our most effective community policing strategies for several years is we would go on patrol, either cruiser patrol or preferably bike, bike patrol on the mountain bikes. And Jimmy would lead us from home to home based on what was being cooked in the backyard for barbecue <laughs> or baked. And he'd be like, we got to go to so-and-so's house. They've got a barbecue today. We've got to go to so-and-so's house. She baked today. And so, um, you know, we joke about it in community policing, but one of the ways to quickly break down barriers and establish rapport is to break bread with people. And Jimmy was an expert at finding us opportunities to break bread with the community. I, I did say that was my favorite um, time of my life in the police department, didn't I? No, that was good. And you said breaking bread. That's That crosses so many cultures. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. I think there was a picture in the paper, you and I, and stealing a piece of cake from somebody's yeah. birthday party, passing it out a window to us or something. So was yeah. the, the running out of necessity? <laughs> no. It, no. It, it, was an, it was an effective strategy. Yes, but I don't think you surprised anybody by, by saying that I, I did like to eat, and I still do. Um, <laughs> nothing has changed, Chief. You saw how fast I was going that Saturday after Thanksgiving. That, that was a listen, slog. Listen, Jim, that's something we share in common. But Jimmy is the first person who convinced me it would be worthwhile to drive to the top of Mount Greylock for a meal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All-you-can-eat barbecue buffet every Tuesday night. Now, those back, in the, back in the day. I was going to say, now? We can do that now? No, no, back in the day. <laughs> no, they ran out. You'd be running across the street, right? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that was good. My brother Steve, you. Oh, those, those were good. Yeah. yeah. All you could eat, ribs, chicken, yep. hummus, tabbouleh, yeah. cornbread, beans, dessert. Yes, All right, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> All right. So you were with the department for how many years, Jim? 12 years. And then you decided to make the jump over to juvenile probation when they spun off the, the independent juvenile court. That, so what year what year did you go over to probation? That was in 1997, July 1st, right. 1997. So just before we get onto your career with probation, I just want to remind you that when you left the PD in 97 and today, you still owe me two days from unfilled swaps. Are you, you know what? <laughs> Is this written down anywhere? Because I'll um, definitely not pay you back, but I just want to know if it's written down anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Man, you're not the only I'll never forget that. it. Yeah, but um, all right, so you went over to probation, and um, talk about that switch because I I don't think a lot of our I know a lot of our viewers and listeners think that we are probation, and we most certainly are not. Um, but I don't think a lot of viewers and listeners fully embrace the role of probation in in criminal justice and particularly in juvenile justice okay well it is a totally different mindset than working in district court or working in superior court we're dealing with juveniles um now the ages are 12 to 17 for you know kids being charged with crimes and 7 and 17 for what they used to call stubborn children or school behaviors we operate you know the the whole it's on it, it's governed under mass general law chapter 119 and the premise of that is to aid guide and encourage um these young people and so it takes a different mindset than when you're dealing with you know adults so and and i like to say and we cover all 32 cities and towns as my former chief gail used to say 926 square miles 32 cities and towns he could say it in about half that time but we 
I like to say that we were progressive before progressive was cool. Judge Paracci was our judge. I uh, just recently passed away. And um, a lot of the focus of what we do is, you know, is programming. You know, we have programs with Shakespeare and Company, with Barrington Stage, with the Clark Art of all places, uh, wonderful program, Williams College. I just signed papers this morning for the interns, the, the college students that are going to be working with our juveniles. Those are the type of things that we do. We, you know, we deal with not only kids that are, you know, in trouble in school and giving their parents a hard time, those that are charged with crimes. Uh, we work with parents, parents on care and protections, which when I started in 1997 was, uh, for the probation officers, not even, not even an issue. That was something that was done w without the help of probation for the most part other than processing the paperwork and, and seeing who's eligible and, and whatnot. But now the majority of our work is on care and protections. And every single juvenile that comes through, you know, it's all interwoven. Um, the CRAs, which is what used to be the stubborns and things, those are child requiring assistance, the delinquencies, and, their, and the care and protections. Um, everything is intermingled. And uh, we do a lot of work on care and protections as well. What are care and protections, you ask? Those That's are where, what I was about to ask. <laughs> yes. Um, parents that are struggling, a lot of times it's, it's substance abuse, it's mental health, or it's, you know, perhaps domestic uh, abuse and domestic violence. And, and the Department of Children and Families ends up having to intervene. And they file a petition with the court. And then it comes in and <coughs> it, it works its way through the process you know the ultimate goal is uh, permanency for children so rather than having a care and protection language where custody is taken away from a parent it the goal is to either you know find them permanency as, as quickly as possible either um, you know an alternate placement a relative or something um, guardian the um, you know termination of parental rights adoptions whatever ultimately happens it, it just shouldn't take many many years you know and there's a whole process a checklist where you know the judges go through it's called pathways but you know they the focus in the courtroom rather than the parents actually becomes the children and that's that's kind of a new philosophy as well because they tend to be forgotten sometimes when you know everybody's you know arguing their positions but some of the questions they ask in the pathways they're supposed to every time there's a court court event is you know, what, what, what could DCF have done to, you know, prevent or decrease needing foster care? What are the safety issues today? What is the plan to go home? What has DCF done to get the child, you know, to a fit parent or willing relative? How are people supporting the child? And are there any other issues that can be fixed? So care protections, a lot of times when the cases come in, custody is initially taken from the parents. The judge can end up ordering the children into the custody the temporary custody of a you know of the parents of you know a relative of a third party you know you or i and then they give orders and probation actually is the ones that go out and make work with the families work with whoever had the custodians and make sure they're following the orders every single time there's a care and protection and a child is moved from one home to the other probation and goes out and does a home visit uh, within 30 days if somebody has custody probation goes out every 30 days 
during the duration of that to make sure things are still stable in the home. Not to, you know, torment or traumatize anybody, just to make sure that, you know, if you had a child that was taken by the state, you would appreciate somebody coming along who doesn't have a self-interest for a parent, you know, one of the parents or the other. You know, a lot of times people are arguing with each other, but just somebody comes by to make sure the place is appropriate. And if there is an issue, we would report it to the court. So, so I think for most of our viewers and listeners that this is this is probably a little surprising for them. And, and some aspects of this, I have to actually say, are a little surprising to me because I'm fairly familiar with most aspects of juvenile probation. But I think as I was just listening to you talk, I kind of was under the impression that those follow-on home visits, that was actually something that was conducted by DCF. So if I understand correctly, once the case is elevated to the point where it's in front of a judge, probation now becomes kind of the eyes and ears of the judge in the field to ensure the continuity and compliance with those orders? If if custody is given to a parent or a third party, you know, somebody other than DCF, yes, we are the ones making sure the orders are being followed. DCF often, you know, they still have the case and they still have a major amount of work that they're doing. But just as far as who's going out to make sure the house is appropriate, we are. And we report things. We're the eyes and ears of the court. We're we're neutral or independent, if you will. And we find things. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll go to homes. I mean more than a few examples of you know homes that just were not appropriate and there was a juvenile place there and so we've we report that to the court and then whatever needs to happen the court decides you know sometimes they can just make the adjustment in the home sometimes there's a removal and they go to somebody else's home and that's that's part of going back to what i said about the pathways is these juveniles need they need permanency they need to know what's you know what's next what's next and best for them, um, rather than, you know, being stuck going from foster home to foster home. So I think, you know, most people, when they hear the word probation, they think somebody's gotten in trouble, they've been adjudicated, and part of their sentence is probation, right? That's that's kind of like, you know, the guys, are, guys and gals are out with their probation jackets on. That's kind of where everybody's mindset goes. But you've got a much much broader mission than that so you you spent quite a bit of time talking about care and protection which i'm just fascinated with and learning something new Mm -hmm. um but another thing you mentioned that i i know many of our viewers and listeners are not familiar with because we get a lot of questions about this is uh, children requiring assistance or what back in the day we would have called chins so can you talk about the cra's a little bit sure there's there's four types of CRAs. Um, the stubborn child is to, you know, the one that people generally think of first, and that's a child who refuses to, to obey the reasonable lawful commands of his or her parent or guardian. Um, there are runaways, and that is kind of speaks for itself, those that are on the run. And then with the school, there's two of them. There's, you know, your more traditional truant child that's not going to school, and that's more than, um, more than eight days in a quarter. So nine and up, and then there are the habitual offenders, the you know school offenders that keep coming in, and those are not supposed to be filed now unless the schools have exhausted every single avenue. They're supposed to have you know programs to take care of you know tr- you know to help lessen the truancy and and lessen you know the behavior in the school. 
But if they exhaust, you know, all their remedies, they can come to the court. And then, you know, the juvenile is appointed an attorney, and parents can actually get appointed attorneys if they don't like the outcome. And we will work with, with the juveniles uh, on those cases. And, I mean, the ultimate, ultimate, if you will, the worst thing that could happen or the ultimate thing that could happen is custody could be changed to the Department of Children's. And um, we try to avoid that at all costs. In fact, most of the cases that come in, they never actually even, <laughs> there's a word called fact-finding hearing, which the equivalent would be a trial. Everything's kept before that, and then if a case is dismissed before a fact-finding hearing, it's shredded, it, it is destroyed, it's expunged. So the state does everything it can. I mean, really, and not for, you know, not, not for bad reasons, has done everything they can to try to keep things from following juveniles into adulthood. So anything that doesn't go to a fact-finding hearing um, goes into the shredder. But we, we work with those kids. We end up, you know, we go to meetings. We, we, we do everything we can. We'll even go up to the schools. We work with the schools. Every couple of weeks we're on, um, you know, Zoom calls with the public schools, working on their, you know, with the truancy and, and school issues. And we'll go to schools and meet with schools and meet with the juveniles and the families. So I don't want to make light of this. And, yeah, I know you're familiar with this from your time with us in uniform. But the example we always use in community meetings are when we get questions in the community about you know how how this plays out. You guys hold on for one quick second. Where's Winston? He's laying down. <laughs> Winston's keeping he a was close barking, eye on me. Yeah, he, he was wandering around there. <laughs> Sorry about that. The bride is headed to her morning session in the conference, and she locked herself out of the hotel room, and the key won't work. <laughs> All right, so where I was going with this is the, the behavior that we always use is kind of like the classic example of a child requiring assistance is just the stubborn teenager who won't get out of bed, and it's a school day. Right? And the reason we use this as an example is, and this, this hasn't happened recently, thank God, but it, that is actually something that occasionally we'll get called to send a police officer last week like a kid in bed right? yeah it was last week <laughs> did we have one last week oh yeah <laughs> and so the re the reason i bring this up is you know it's 2021 right in light of everything that's happening with calls for justice reform and police reform we're we're not sending officers to get kids out of bed it's it's just not okay <laughs> i agree 100 percent and yeah, and you go through the typical quest checklist of questions, you know, what time did he or she go to bed? You know, what do they have in their room? Is it like a, an arcade? It's it, And those are things that, yeah, I mean, literally the, the village, you know, you ask the questions, you work with them, you do everything you can. And, and then you have some parents that do nothing to get the kids out of bed. You know, well, I gave them an alarm. Yeah. I can get up. Well, okay, well, I wish it were that easy. Yeah, but definitely the police, you, and I can relate because I've been through it. You, you, that is not what people want you doing. And the state is doing everything they can to keep the courts out of it, too. I mean, that's why the, the family resource centers were created, and, and ours is getting the one in Pittsfield, and there's one in North Adams, and now there's one in Great Barrington are getting busier and busier. So when parents or schools do come in and try to file 
a CRA on people, the first thing we see is, have you tried the FRC and all their programming down there? And um, they're getting busier and busier. Uh, and that's a good thing because that's community-based. You should, right. you know, the goal is not to have people come in to see a judge or probation to, you know, fix things that, you know, they're in good company. I mean, these are just growing up issues or whatever. I mean, going back, going way back, Chief, to the 1600s, if you look up Puritan law, and if a child is not hearkening to the parents or the magistrate, um, shall be put to death. So we have come a long way. You can look that up, people. <laughs> Jimmy loves these like historic way. references. When we used to patrol together, one of his goals was to be able to quell a disturbance by looking at the bystanders and say, in the name of the Commonwealth, I order you to assist me. I don't remember I don't that either, Chief. I don't think he wait, ever wait, wait. got well, to no, do it. No, no, they're right. You're right. There was, <laughs> yep, there was something I stumbled upon. Yeah, yeah that in was the name Google. of the Commonwealth. That was pre-Google. So, <laughs> wow, to go back. No, All right. that's okay. I, so I think we probably should do our station identification and the, the second weather check here. And then, then we'll come back and we'll talk about the other arm of probation, which is what I think most people think you spend most of your time doing which is delinquencies. Absolutely. All right. Stand by for uh, the weather and a couple PSAs. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com. Greetings. Today, mostly cloudy with a high of 41. Tonight, cloudy. A low of 31 with some rain late. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy. A high of 54 with rain showers all day. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecast and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR. I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone. Support for WTBR comes from Shire Brewhouse at the Stationery Factory in Dalton, offering music bingo on Tuesdays, trivia on Wednesdays, live comedy or music on Thursdays, and karaoke on Fridays. Find their menu online at shire.beer, located at 19 Flansburg Ave in Dalton. And from Project New Hope, where you can sponsor a military family for the holidays. To sponsor a military family or make a donation, call 413-315-3873 or visit them online at projectnewhopema.org for more details. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Support for WTBR comes from the Funky Phoenix, where they're transforming art and history. Custom woodworking, custom framing, and funky fine art and home decor. For unique and custom holiday gifts, find them online at thefunkyphoenix.com. UCP of Western Massachusetts is hiring experienced, licensed occupational, physical, and speech therapists and direct support professionals. Apply at ucpwma.org jobs. Join the agency that's reimagined independence. 
Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College. BCC provides access to higher education to everyone in Berkshire County and beyond, offering more than 50 high-quality programs, small class sizes, and an affordable education to help their students of all ages achieve their dreams. At BCC, their middle name is Community. And from County Ambulance, providing quality, professional, efficient medical care and medical transportation services to the citizens of Berkshire County. Online at CountyAMB.com. All right, we're back. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Again, my name is Mike Wynn. I'm one of the co-hosts of this weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police in the city of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, working the soundboard. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. Good morning, everybody. Hiding over there in the corner with his partner, Officer Winston, is Officer Darren Derby, our safety officer and community engagement specialist. That's right. I'm, I'm engaging in the community right now on social media. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us, our guest this morning, is Chief of Juvenile Probation, Chief Jim Hunt of Central, uh, no, Central Berkshire Juvenile Court. Uh, and we've been talking about care and protection orders and child requiring assistance orders and, and petitions and now we're going to pivot a little bit and talk about juvenile delinquency and so one of the things um many years uh, in january i spent a little bit of time doing a winter study program up at williams college uh, it's called learning intervention for teens and one of the things i do with the students at williams is talk to them about the juvenile justice system and they're always surprised to find out that when a juvenile commits a crime and they go to court and the the uh and there's a trial, they're not convicted and found guilty. Um, they're like, yeah, the kid's guilty. I was like, no, the child was adjudicated delinquent. It's a, it's a different process. And so, Bird, can you just talk a little bit about, um, you know, when we, when we, law enforcement, the entry point to the criminal justice system, when we charge a juvenile with a crime, what happens when we bring the, the defendant and the charging documents to the court? Okay, so... When they come to the court, and, and I'll, I'll go back. When we started 1970 uh, or 1997 on a, on a typical Monday morning was a delinquency day, we might have 75 cases on the docket that day, all scheduled for 9 o'clock. And as, as, as time goes on, you know how that works out when everybody's sitting there watching other people going in and out the door. Now on a typical Monday, we might have 8, maybe 10 cases. So the numbers have dropped dramatically, although, as I said, as those went down, the current protections went up. So they'll come in, and uh, the district attorney has, um, you know, they determine whether or not a case is going to be arraigned or not. Now they, they, they are, you know, based on the, well, they've always been able to, but more enhanced with the crime bill is, is they may do a diversion, which is something that might have been done with the clerk magistrate way back when. But anyway, again, trying to divert them away from the system. If they uh, decide not to arraign them, then the case doesn't even come in. They, they'll do something over in-house over on the corner of West and, and North Street, and then six months, you know, six weeks later, two, three, four months later, they'll just report back that the case is dismissed without even being arraigned and absolutely nothing on the record. A lot of times, or no, that's a lot of times. Um, on certain cases, they'll actually ask for an arraignment, and then we'll, you know, do the intake and, and go into court, and there might be conditions ordered, there might be no conditions order, and the case is continued for a pretrial conference. At which time they could get a 
pretrial disposition, you know, without having to make a plea, um, get put on, you know, considered um, pretrial probation, and then we would work with them with, with whatever conditions we might recommend after conferring with the defense and the assistant district attorney and what the judge orders. And then after that, we enforce the orders. Uh, basically, we work with the juveniles and come up with a plan. We use evidence-based, you know, everything's evidence-based now, you know, the Ohio Youth Assessment System. We'll, if, if somebody's formally on probation, we'll go through that process with them, which takes 45 days. A lot of, you know, some of the conditions they might see is, you know, continue counseling or get an evaluation. It's better if it's continued counseling because everybody knows, you know, in the mental health field now there could be quite a delay in, you know, getting an evaluation. It might be a curfew per probation, you know, might be drug testing, in which case we do the testing in-house um, programs. Programs are, are a large part of it. You mentioned the LIFT program, Learning Intervention for Teens up at Williams College. And why would those students really know what goes on in the juvenile system? There's, there's the national set of, you know, the national narrative, they, they say. And then there's Massachusetts. Massachusetts has always been way above uh, the curve with, you know, cases. I mean, we've got the lowest incarceration rates in the, in the country, the lowest rate of violations of probation. Massachusetts is very progressive. Um, but the LIFT program, we have a program we do. We just finished up at the Clark Art. Believe it or not, you know, these, these young people from all over the county, and it's not just Central Berkshire. It's actually Berkshire County, you know, juvenile court. They, they get rides up to either Williams College in January or the Clark Art, typically in October. We have programs with Shakespeare and Company, with Barrington Stage Company. And the Shakespeare and Company program and the Barrington Stage program had juveniles from Berkshire County go down to the White House and receive an award on behalf of the program at the White House, you know, on, on the Shakespeare program, which was created in Berkshire Juvenile Court. One of our juveniles was taken down to the White House to get an award from Laura Bush. Can you imagine? That is definitely not what your students at Williams College would have been picturing. In fact, no. <clears throat> one, one night that Stephen Colbert was doing The Word, and The Word was to be or not to be, and they had some liberal judge in Massachusetts ordered a juvenile delinquent to Shakespeare. And it was, it was all done tongue-in-cheek. Mm. Our judge was furious. He comes in in the morning, Judge Parachi, he was so mad. And I'm like, Judge, you're going to be getting calls from all over the country. And he did. That was yeah. a very busy day. And he, he's in textbooks in England with this yeah. program. Which is just, if you knew Judge Parachi, God rest his soul, he was, you know, very much a jock. But he was also, you know, multifaceted. You know, he had a law degree. He was a principal at Lenox High School. You know, he was Mr. St. Joe while he was there. And yep. he was pushing Shakespeare. And I wasn't something interested me. Now I love it. So... You know, I just I think both of these programs in particular are something that our viewers and listeners should know more about because they're they're well known within the community, within the uh, criminal justice community. But because of some of the the privacy issues around dealing with juveniles, I don't think that a lot of people who don't have some contact with the courthouse are completely aware of how involved these programs are and how successful they are. So Shakespeare in the courts. Juveniles that are uh, in the system, uh, possibly, you know, pre-system, but they're working with probation. 
and essentially they're sentenced to Shakespeare and Company uh, for a period of, of learning to perform in, in a Shakespearean act, a Shakespearean play. Or Barrington Stage, the Playwright Mentoring Program, uh, similarly, but in that program, they work with mentors from Barrington Stage to write a play and then perform the play. And, you know, as a as an agency head, I have the, the good fortune and the honor to be on the guest list for those performances. So I've had the privilege to see some of these young men and women who, you know, somewhere else in the country, they would have been sentenced to a probation term and or you know, a DYS lockup term, and they were sentenced to work with professional actors and then stagehands and develop a performance and deliver that performance to their parents, uh, some cases to their teachers and to other members of, you know, other participants from, or other people from within the system who are on this guest list. And the performances are amazing. It is amazing. When you go down to the Shakespeare <clears throat> program, you know, you'll write down to the campus in, in Lenox and they've had, you know, performance in both, uh, you know, the Founders Theater and the Bernstein Theater. There's, there's professional actor, you know, actors there watching it. There's, you know, the, the benefactors there watching. And just the process, when you see the development from when, you know, one of these juveniles comes in and to the time where they complete this program, it, it is absolutely heartwarming. It's amazing. You know, the parents are there, the families are there. I had never been down to Shakespeare and Company. A lot of people haven't been down, and if you haven't, you're missing out. It is, it, they're fantastic. It, it, it would to me, it would have been like a root canal or something going down, and and it's just the most tremendous experience. You know, with the juveniles, without the juveniles, it is amazing. And Barrington Stage, they, you know, when they came to North Street, Julianne Boyd came in to see us in the court, and they were friends with the Shakespeare and Company folks and Julianne Boyd sat in her conference room and said would you folks like to partner with us I said absolutely they're like good do you have money no we don't we have no money at all you know the, the trial court can't collect money for things like that but when you when you're looking for you know funding when you're looking for people to donate their hard-earned money just say juvenile say troubled kid say you know disadvantage whatever that is they I'm um, you know they get the money that gets donated and it gets passed right down and it is heartwarming to see the programs and the difference yes shakespeare you know they're more going through shakespeare lines those are already developing it's, it's done in a very humorous way and and the barrington stage where they're writing stories about their lives and that's you know they meet together with you know the playwright comes in after a certain amount of weeks and they come up with this program and they blend the stories together. So, you know, you don't have a parent sitting there going, oh, God, that's my living room. And, you know, right. they blend everything together. <clears throat> and it, it's really powerful. Well, not only do they blend everything together, but one of the things that I thought was the coolest the last time I had the opportunity to, um, to do one, we were um, in, the, in the small theater on Linden Street. They, the, the students mirror each other. They they cover for each other, right? So if if my if I'm telling my story and I worked with the playwright to kind of translate my story into a play, I don't perform myself. Another member of the project plays me when the performance is done. So there's a disconnect there. So they they actually like demonstrate and develop teamwork as well as the the actual skills of the performance. 
It is amazing. It is amazing. And, you know, public speaking is is one of the most fearful, you know, is probably one of the highest things on the list. I mean, my brother, actually, there was somebody in the police department long before you, and I worked with him briefly, never got his associate's degree at BCC because the last class he had to take was speech writing. Never finished it. It's terrifying. And you see these kids up on stage, and they're doing soliloquies and working together, playing off each other. It, it's really empowering, and that's that's the whole key. You know, the I, can't, list, I, just, I can't remember who the comedian was that said this. But more people are afraid of public speaking, or people are more afraid of public speaking than are they are of dying. So if you're at a funeral, you're better off in the box than you are giving <laughs> eulogy. We got a second on that emotion. Yeah. <laughs> so I just signed. I just signed um, the paperwork to be completed for the lift program in January. Um, for all the students, for the mentors, for you know the drivers, yeah. because these these young people get basically limo rides up to Williams College, and they'll spend a week working with a Williams or um, sorry the month working with a Williams College student on. First of all, it's it's and you can probably go into greater detail on this. You know, going to the cafeteria, going to the gym, doing you know things that a typical student might do at Williams College, and then working on a PowerPoint back to public speaking on a topic of their interest. I mean, we, and then, so the juveniles paired up one-on-one -on -one with these Williams College students, and then they're, you know, um, I don't want to say performing, but they're, you know, presenting. Presenting. Yes, their PowerPoint, and any any number of topics. I mean, one, one girl played a ukulele, and the Williams College student also played the ukulele. They did a duet that they wrote themselves. Title IX. Um, you know, for women's equity in sports, somebody did. We've one. we've seen all kinds of things. Oh yeah, the you know. in, the inadequacies of witness identification. That was an interesting one. You know, putting up the statistics, and then my favorite, this little little tiny tiny fella, he did his on Kevin Durant, but then he was having so much fun, he did it on his um, his favorite prehistoric animal was megalodon. He did two powerpoints. Yep. We've, I mean, we've seen paranormal activity in the Berkshires, the yo-yo. Uh, we've seen everything. <laughs> yeah. But so I want to talk about this program a little bit um, because although I, I do very, very little to support it, um, I'm very proud of, of how this came about, not only because of the opportunity it presents for our, for our youth, but also because I was asked to support it. So I don't even, I think we're, close to 10 years now with the lift program last year was kind of a a, a no show but um so lift was created by a williams student who did a winter study in the northern juvenile court and so she was in judge Locke's courtroom and she was kind of fascinated by what was going on she asked to spend a little bit more time she did kind of like a self-directed study there in the spring semester and then she saw juveniles, you know, coming into court and she just realized that, you know, she had nothing in common with, with these children. The, these were not children who were ever going to have the opportunity, as far as she could tell, that she had to attend Williams College. So she went to the uh, experimental studies department at the time and asked if she could put together a program. And so Williams has winter study. The students spend uh, the month of January basically doing an intensive um, 
you know, look into one subject or one topic, one class. It could be intensive into something like making holograms, like I did my senior year, or mm -hmm. you know, beer. But it could also be like a serious research project, like this student came up with. And so they developed this program where the Williams students have class meetings every week, and they study the juvenile justice system, and the juvenile court students are assigned to these Williams students who then work with them, as Jimmy said, you know, some of it is just socialization, getting around the campus, exposure to the campus. This is, you know, an introduction to campus life, but they help them research a topic of the juvenile's choice. Doesn't matter, but they bring them into the uh, uh, library in Sawyer and they take them over into the music center. If if their thing is music, they're in the Williams recording studios. If their thing is art, they're over in the art studios. And then at the end of the month, the Williams student and the juvenile together collaboratively put together a presentation and all of the teams that have worked together during the month of January present these topics to a room full of judges and lawyers and professors. And, you know, if I had to stand in front of that august collection of august assemblage of people i'd be nervous and we've got 12 13 14 year old children presenting for seven eight nine minutes on a topic that they research because it's their passion it's always impressive and and when you think about it when they came into the court system they're leaving with some definite assets uh, better than when they came in which is good and, and sometimes when they mention, you know, oh, juveniles, those are juvenile kids. Well, when we make referrals to these programs, don't think of them as, you know, juvenile delinquents. They're humans. They're all humans that it, it, it maybe did one thing or the other. They're, they're just like every other juvenile that goes to school. We should mention, um, and you work with her up there, I believe, is uh, Nancy McCauley. Was yeah. the probation officer. She was the probation officer initially with CMPs. She was the one with Judge Paracci on the, on the Shakespeare and Company. And she was definitely instrumental working with you guys with the lift program, and, and we wouldn't have it, you know, without her. Barrington Stage, I guess, is one that that I, um, you know, ushered in. But the Rays program, the Clark Art, why, why would we be going to the Clark Art with students? Well, that's Judge Locke on the sideline up at Williams College with uh, Rana from the, you know, the education over at the Clark Art. And... I don't know how many people have been to the Clark Art. If you haven't, you should go up there. And the kids go up there for five weeks, and they study the art, and they do a lot of introspective work. And at the end, they give a tour to the guests that come up to it. You know, so you know, I had I had um, a young lady walking me around the Clark a couple weeks ago, showing me the artwork, telling them what it brings out. It, it's and it's just a very personal experience, and it's it's very. You know, like I said, not a lot of people would even dream that that's what's going when people come to the court. Yes, there are cases where people end up getting committed to the Department of Youth Services, but probably on one hand, I, I could, you know, list those in the last year or two. It's it's that's like the final, you know, the final step. And when that happens, there's life after the Department of Youth Services. They work very well with with young people and and bring it, you know, getting them the services they need. All right, so we're coming up at the end of our time this, together this morning. 
Uh, Chief, anything else you want people to know about what happens in and around the juvenile court, juvenile probation, your team, your staff? Well, if you have questions, come on in. We're open. We're right in the corner of North and Eagle. Um, in a beautiful new oh my environment. That, that bricked up, those bricked up windows in the front um, bugged me from day one. Um, I am now in the corner office, and, you know, it's full, almost floor-to-ceiling windows, and you, you can't really see into, you can't even really see into me because of the way I have the, the blinds, but it's it's so nice it's such a nice exposure on north street i really appreciate the space we were very lucky and if you got any questions give us a call come on in we we're open you know we're practicing social distancing and everything like that but we're we're here to serve i like the new artwork on the windows oh yes the artwork um that was all part of cultural proficiency yeah. week and yeah that's a big that's a big push by um, probation and the trial court. So if you come by and you look in the artwork, we're part of the first Friday's Art Walk. Actually, okay. we have William Shakespeare out there and Martin Luther King. And we had a young lady from the clerk's office came in to see me. She was from the west side. She's like, Chief, uh, can, I, can I talk to you? I'm like, oh, oh wow. She's here. <laughs> Ooh, what could this be? I, I did a PowerPoint on African-American history in Berkshire County. Is that okay? Oh, yes, that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we printed it up, and that's in the front window. Well, I think that, you know, not only just for passerbys and, and uh, you know, the art walk, it's now given that these youths that are walking into the front door, you know, not a uh, entryway to the legal justice system, right. but an entryway, but allowing them to see quotes, uh, see pictures, you know, of people who have come before them that have made great strides and Yep. Uh, you know, made great progress in how they're able to live, you know, if they make right. the right choices. And and the a lot of the artwork is from William or from um, Wakona High School. Every year they've their art students have contributed self portraits with a little story about what the portrait means to them. And it is it is far and wide and, and incredibly impressive. You can you can walk up there, everything's right there for you to see. It's it's really thought-provoking for the person watching it and for the process when it was developed it it's neat and year after year they come out with you know more Im impressive artwork we're, we're going to try to keep that going year-round with different schools now give the other schools opportunities but yeah the artwork that was a big thing for me um, just and being part of a downtown neighbor I mean, people have a perception that the court, there's, you know, people out there smoking. No, no, you know, actually not. People come in, they do their thing, and they leave. And, you know, we're a tenant, a rent-paying tenant, and, you know, so the landlord's making money, fortunately, and people are going out to dinner downtown, and we need more of that. Mm. All right. Well, Chief, I want to thank you for joining us this morning and talking about all things well, not all things, but many things related to juvenile probation. Uh, final thoughts here. Plans for the weekend? Well, we got some Christmas shopping we got to get done. We're 
Christmas. Oh, it's already Christmas. Yeah, at this point, you can't you can't count on Amazon at this point either. Uh, Darren, for you, it's Christmas all year round. <laughs> it is. Oh, I like that. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> who, who, get, who gets Winston for Christmas? Um, I don't know. Have I, you I, got, it out yet? I have to look at our contract. Check the order. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we we don't have a court order, so. Yeah. I think part of the day. It's usually morning and night. Well, I actually uh, scored the day off this year, a single day. So it's uh, I don't know. We'll have to see what the uh, what is other. What his other family is up to. <laughs> well, good luck with that. I heard the other guy's a bear. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I, so th- this is this is a complete aside. So I, as I said, I'm, I'm out of town. I'm doing this remotely because uh, my lovely bride was attending a conference this week. So I headed down to Boston last night to meet her and have dinner and go out uh, with a couple of her colleagues, watch a football game. But because she was out of town and you had Winston, are so the the gentleman that is also at this conference his family normally dog sits for us when we travel and the deal christina had to make in order for them to dog sit was they've had our other dog since tuesday so i haven't seen either dog since tuesday and the dogs haven't seen each other since tuesday oh, tonight's boy. gonna be tonight's yeah, gonna be there. a disaster it's a wrestling match <laughs> <laughs> all right so i'm i'm thinking about you know slowly making my way back to the you know to the berkshires so i don't have to deal with the two anxious and animated and spun up animals for the whole day Good luck lieutenant traversa plans for the weekend actually uh big doings tomorrow my son is doing his eagle project oh so really yeah yeah so we got to do obviously there's been a lot of prep involved mostly on his part but uh i gotta help him get some supplies and equipment down the street so it's is uh, it a secret or can you tell us yeah, what he decided to do and where he's doing it she, yeah he's uh rebuilding a counter at um the veterans food pantry in berkshire village um, nice so it's th- like a hidden secret gem yeah 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 it's um it's they they you know run a lot of they, they run like four or five days a week and um you know they they always have something going on and they have a, a a counter there that needs rebuilding and um it's it's a perfect project for them i'm a little bit um anxious about my carpentry skills and but <laughs> but it's on him it's you know he's he's handy and uh it's his project so it's uh i'm just there for the support that's an awesome project. Yeah. Tell him we said good luck. Thank you. I will. Darren, plans for the weekend? Uh, plans for the weekend. Actually, we got uh, one of our uh, big events this year, community events. Um, we have teamed up this year with Department of Children and Families, and uh, we'll be uh, supplying their uh, families that they're involved in with some Christmas toys, thanks to the First Responders Children's Foundation. So that will be tomorrow from nine to one. So that's uh, we're excited about that. Winston's going to be there. He's Where are you doing that? Ready? Uh, right at DCF's building. So we're going to have like a drive-through in their parking lot. Nice. Yeah. I was wondering where all those pallets of toys went. Yeah, that's where they went. And then uh, Sunday it's just uh, work day and then training. How's the tra- training going? He's doing good. He's doing good. We're learning not to bark. 
<laughs> I think he's getting that from somebody else's. Uh, <laughs> from the other parents. Yeah, some, some, some bad influence, yeah. He, he was not happy with that young woman sitting on the stairs at the college. Uh, no, he was not. No. No. That was that was a bizarre outburst. It just seemed wrong to him. Yeah. I, I think he... I think he was trying to herd her back into the class. <laughs> All right, um, we're just about out of time. I've got to, uh, I got to just get some training in this weekend and do some homework. I've got another written assignment I got to crank out before the end of the weekend. Uh, Lieutenant, I don't have a countdown clock. I'm guessing we're under a minute. We now, got right? 30 seconds. All right, thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD. Uh, Tune in next week for, yeah, I don't even know, We're so close to the holidays. We'll have to check the schedule, but uh, stand think, by for future episodes. We're going to have uh, Sergeant Madeline on next week. Nice. All right, so look forward to that. Thanks for joining us today. As we always say, be safe, be healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8. Station 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield, Massachusetts.